Once again, Merry Christmas, and as we approach the new year, a blessed new year. Of course, most of you would know, for us Christians, the new year began on Advent, the first Sunday in Advent. And our focus is, as the old people of God waited for the Messiah to come, and he came, he fulfilled his promise to save us, prepare a way for us to be with him forever and in between, that he will be with us, Emmanuel, Jesus, both Messiah and Emmanuel, the one with us through thick and thin. It is well with our soul if this Jesus is with us. I guess you would have heard this, you know, Christmas isn't Christmas until it happens in your heart. And I think that is, in some ways, reflective of God's grace, mercy, and God's blessings. That through life's up and downs, and some of the negativity around human nature, the fallen human nature, and some of the overconfidence in the ability of human nature to, on its own, function to perfection, achieve that idea of perfection, the disappointment that comes along with that. It is good news indeed to know that during this time of Christmas, we are reminded that God has done everything and that is inviting us to look forward to the second coming and he will never forsake us. It is often, it is said, I read just recently, grace is given to those who do not deserve it. And, and that's what God has done. And if you look at the history of the people of God, that every time since the creation and the fall, that when they are given an invitation to come back, to be transformed, to walk in the ways of God, to trust and to obey God, that works for some time and then it goes down again. And yet, God has continually been very much extending his grace to those who do not deserve it. At the same time, we find that God continuously, throughout this process, he extends his mercy because for our disobedience and for the repeated and willful disobedience, sinful nature, we find God Instead of giving us punishment that we deserve, he extends mercy. And not only that, he gives us back the dignity that we are created in God's image. And mercy and grace comes along together and that is what is called a blessing. And each and every phase in the history of the people of God, we find this to be so true and consistent. God is faithful even in the midst of unfaithfulness. No amount of our sin 
or our guilt or our shame can ever separate us from the love of God expressed in his fulfillment of his promises, extension of grace, mercy, and blessing. He still trusts us and he can, not because we are able to achieve on our own, but he is able to prevent us from falling and to present us perfect because of what he has done. A continuous sharing of grace and mercy and blessings. I am thankful with the change of the government that it started with forgiveness. The politicians going and asking and seeking forgiveness, reconciliation. Let's be united. Ultimately, what is our response? Now let me focus on the readings for today. We start in Matthew chapter 1. And Matthew introduces the gospel in this way. This is the good news of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus and who is he? The son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham, the father of the faith of the Jewish people. God called him and promised him. It must have been difficult for Abraham to leave his uh, first class, first world, civilized world with that kind of political, social, religious contract that was there. He was doing very well. And when he heard God's call, immediately he knew what he must do. He, he has to obey. And so the call to go to the promised land in Canaan, a Bedouin, a nomadic lifestyle, to go, and that is the promised land. And God will give him land. God will give him a kingdom, a nation. But he was just a family, a rich man. And yet he had to leave all that. And somehow it must have been very difficult. But at the same time, he would have realized that is where I need to trust and obey God. And God enabled him, gave him that opportunity. David also, with all the uh, 12 tribes divided so fiercely and ultimately in civil war and united the kingdoms. And at every point of time, when we read the Gospels, we read the New Testament, we find a reflection on the Old Testament that in, in all these trials, no amount of sin or unfaithfulness kept God away from fulfilling his promises. And that gives us that, that faith, that hope, that love to share, to receive, to extend forgiveness, to speak of God's love through Jesus Christ. And that gives us that strength, to know this God in that manner. It gave me that strength when I was diagnosed with bone marrow cancer in June. And I've just been said, told that I'm in full remission, being prepared for stem cell transplant somewhere between mid-January and mid-February. And in all this, 
all the temptation of anticipatory gains and anticipatory losses that comes along with it, one thing remained constant. God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. But you know what I discovered? I discovered that it was, I had a lighter step and a faster energy, you know, you know when I keep receiving good news about my medical progress. But as, I, as I'm being prepared for the risks involved, uh, you know, that, that happiness element gets reduced, but it goes deeper, and the element of joy that God is with me in these trials strengthens me. That whatever may befall, it is well with my soul. Because I have experience God's grace, God's mercy, and God's blessings. So whatever befalls me, even I've been told, hey, uh, Stephen, you know, after your stem cell transplant, you may not be as healthy as you are right now because the, the chemo uh, and the processes and the way the body responds may be different. But I am thankful. I am not driven by my anticipatory losses or gains, but I live this abundant life in Christ Jesus. Today, whatever may befall, it is well with my soul. And you know, Matthew introduces this, this, this Jesus, that he is on the throne, that Jesus is the Messiah, that Jesus is God with us. And so we are not victims because God is with us. We are not victims. We are not the Messiah. The Messiah is not Stephen Abarawa, Andrew. <laughs> the Messiah is Jesus. So we are not the persecutor. We are not the victim. We are not the savior. The persecutor is the enemy that wants us to divert away from this living hope and joy that Christmas every day happens, whatever happens, it is well with my soul. And then Matthew, with that one, first Matthew chapter 1, verse 1, he goes on, chapter 2, right up to, uh, verse 2, chapter 1, verse 2, right up to verse 17. And then he gives a summary in verse 17 and 16. And he says, these are the generations. And he gives us a sort of a summary. From Abraham to David, and in the Old Testament, we find God was faithful, but the people kept falling back, even the patriarchs themselves. But God was ever faithful. And then from David, the United Kingdom, the pinnacle of Israel's history, it went all the way down, right down to the exile in Babylon. <laughs> from 12 tribes came down to one Judah. The lost ten tribes, they call it. And yet, God extended his mercy. And then, from the Babylonian exile, right down to the time of Jesus, and there was a time, it was called the silent years, which some scholars date 400 to 600 years before Christ. Silent years, they call it where even the voice 
of God through the prophets. Now remember, they didn't have the printed Bible at that time as readily available. There were scrolls at best, a few of them of the <coughs> Torah collected together at the synagogues. And during the Babylonian exile, the people could not come to the Jerusalem temple. The Jerusalem temple was a symbol of God with us, God's presence. And the Torah was not also easily available. And yet, God never forgotten them. His promise, a broken reed he will not, a bruised reed he will not break. A smoldering wick he will not snuff out. God's mercy, God's grace, God's blessings extended to these people. Because God loves them. Nothing can separate us from God's love. And as we come now, and, 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 and Matthew introduces the birth of Jesus in verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with the child from the Holy Spirit. The macro situation, the macro narrative that drives the world, the socio-political economic finance system does not serve the purposes of God. During this time, who was God? Caesar was God. What directs the political, socio-religious uh, uh, context? It was the Pax Romana. It was that Caesar is the emperor God. That drove the people. And anything that goes against that is treasonous. You can be persecuted, ex executed. And this faith that this Messiah, this God, is Jesus, a human, is blasphemy to the Jew. The people of God can be excommunicated. And that was the context when God spoke to Joseph. And already there is this crisis. How can a virgin betroth but have not had uh, 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 intimacy with the betrothed husband yet, have not had, waiting for that time, how can she be with child? So all logic, all science at that time will tell you she has not been faithful or baby out of wedlock. And so even under these circumstances, Matthew introduces that it is of the Holy Spirit. To trust and obey. And remember, he introduced all the three generations and how God was faithful and there were people who trusted and obeyed. And now he comes, he introduces this family of Mary and Joseph. But humanly speaking, it is so difficult to trust and to live by that. It is so difficult. The social, religious, political, economic context does not allow them to function they probably would like to look for grass that is greener over the other side. And yet the call is where you are. And what was the decision, the logic 
it drove Matthew to say, her husband Joseph, being a just man, and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly, to do the respectable thing. Don't make the current situation more toxic. Let's be gentlemen and civilized about this and save the other person the embarrassment. Sounds good. Very few people would have done that. But it does not go according to the will of God. Sometimes the grass is always greener in another church, in another family. If you lived your life with another person, if you had this and that. Sometimes I feel grass is greener if I hadn't had my bone marrow cancer. <laughs> and yet, it is of the Holy Spirit, it is of God's. And even if it is because of my disobedience, God will never leave me. But you need to be convinced of that. How did this happen? Verse 20, But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. He was dreaming. If I were Joseph, I wouldn't want to wake up from the dream, I tell you. Number one, I'd be thinking, ah, my patriarch, one of them, Joseph, isn't it? He dreamt. God used the dreams to save his people, isn't it? Right? Okay. What a good story. What a good Bible study I received from this dream. I better keep going to this Bible study and don't do anything else. No need to go and do what is necessary, you know. <laughs> it's hard work when the rubber hits the road, you know. The, first, the patriarch Joseph uh, had to work very hard for seven years. Imagine all the profiteering guys and the middle guys got cut off. He said, no, 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 you cannot simply, the harvest simply cannot be used. It must come to the grain. The famine is coming. Keep where famine. Seven years have to wait. We could have made so much money. Egypt was the fruit basket of the Mediterranean. A lot of money could have been made. And yet Joseph said he, all the whole economy, social, religious, political, economic things was, was, was marshaled. Because through Joseph, Pharaoh trusted. Those seven years were difficult. If I were this Joseph, who's supposed to be married to Mary, I want to stay in the dream. Don't wake up, you know. The rubber hits the road. And he woke up. And you know what? He chose to trust and obey. He woke up and he acted. And the Bible tells us she will, the news is that she will bear a son, you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet and Matthew gives this commentary. He is not just the Messiah, but is Emmanuel, God with us. And you know why this is so important? Because the first group of Christians who received Matthew's gospel were living in a time, perilous times. It was not popular to be Christian. Forget about any promotion in the Roman government system because your God is not Caesar. Forget about going back to the synagogues. 
because at that time by that time the jewish temple the jerusalem temple was completely destroyed and the jews blamed this sect this this cult who said a man is god and so god punished them so they excommunicated them it is not popular to be a christian the very symbol that god is present is now no more because of these guys they're blaming them they're rationalizing they're theologizing they're shifting the blame and they said because of you we have been visited by this curse from god we don't want you anymore in our synagogues those were some of the dynamics not widespread throughout the whole of the roman empire but definitely it was there it was growing it was not popular and you can see that in the new testament of how paul and other apostles were treated and when they were receiving this gospel and matthew frames it and he remembers god is with us he is not just the messiah you may not see the jerusalem temple people may may say where is god's presence god is with us we are the church where two or three are gathered there i will be amongst you i will never leave you till the ends of the world go go make disciples you look at this temple and it's no more but you are the temple of god because i am with you what great news good news salvation is you see the power of the good news for the first christians who received that and the power of this good news for all those who need this good news that is christmas it is not christmas until it happens in every heart that we can share this good news and matthew writes on when joseph woke up i like this the rubber hits the road when joseph woke up from his sleep he did as the angel of the lord commanded him it cost him he took his wife and thereafter what did we see people calling jesus in his adult life jesus the son of mary is another way of saying child born out of wedlock movies made scholars saying things like that too joseph paid the price but knew her not until she had given birth to a son and naming is very important eh? he named his he called and he called his name jesus in obedience as well as the hope that he trust and he obey and thus this family of mary and joseph were a channel of god's grace mercy and blessings and to each one of us where christmas is in our hearts where jesus is jesus reigns and truly you know him then whatever may befall your lot and my lot it is well with my soul heaven is on earth abundant and eternal life starts with me it is there i rather live life like this 
like C.S. Lewis, than a life like Freud. Both of them, Freud came from a position of a Jewish faith and then became an atheist. He lost his wife and ultimately he said, I can't even blame God because I don't have anyone to blame. I can't even be thankful because, you know, of what I've gone through. And he committed suicide. C.S. Lewis started as an atheist. The halls of Oxford. And he received Christ. His wife too went through cancer. She died. He went through drinking from the dry wells of this desert journey. And he came and he didn't want to have it any other way. A position of joy. And he can wait for answers, for resolution that he cannot get now. But because God is good all the time, there is good news there. And they ended their lives like that. Today, is Christmas in your heart? I hope so. Share this then, like Mary and Joseph, a channel of God's, God's grace, God's mercy, God's blessing. Our country needs that more than ever. Our politicians need that more than ever. Those who don't agree with us need them now more than ever. Would the rubber hit the roads or would you be stuck in your dreams like Joseph? God will enable you. God will empower you. God bless you. And as you prepare for your New Year resolutions, I hope that this plays a key part in it. Let us pray. For word given, we thank you. For son that you have sent, that he did not see divinity as something to be grasped, but emptied himself. And in one, that single act, grace, mercy, and blessings have come to earth and in our hearts. Help us so to live and to do and to obey that the great commandment, the greatest commandment to love is filled and characterized by that and it will drive us to trust and obey to fulfill the great commission to go and make disciples of all nations. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. My dear friends, have a blessed Jesus-shaped Christmas and New Year. Thank you.